week you guys joined with us and we did a sermon that we started that was in distractions. We've been in a series of We Declare War and it's had different sections to it that have had parts that um, we've broken down along the way. And as we've been in this one, it's been all about distractions. And God has been having us stay very focused on distractions and I think it's because I don't believe that we realize how distracted we are in life. On a daily basis, even if you serve God and you love him and you are one who gets up and you pray and you read your word every day, I believe that we still don't realize how distracted we can get with not being in his presence. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, And letting other things get in the way of what he's really trying to do in our lives. It's real easy. We can do it real quickly by, you know, like we talked about last week, the waiting game. And how in the waiting game that when we are waiting, sometimes we have squirrel moments very often that try to give us temporary fixes and take us off being focused of what God is actually doing in our lives. And how many of you know that you have squirrel moments? Be honest. I had one this morning. I was talking to Felicia about something. She's back in the sound booth. And I looked and I saw something. And all of a sudden I just stopped mid-conversation. I went, what is that? That was something was sticking out at me, and she just looked at me, and I go, yes, I know. I just had my own squirrel moment. I was really not focused on even what I was saying to you, because just that quickly, we can get distracted. And just that quickly, the enemy can come in and try to give us temporary fixes that can change the most favorable outcome in our life. So I want to break this down. We're in the waiting game part two. Um, God wanted us to stay in this one more week this week. The waiting game part two is stay in the game. Stay in the game. And I want to remind you that the waiting game is a strategy in which one or more participants withhold action temporarily in the hope of having a more favorable opportunity for a more effective action later. It means that you are willing to wait and not be distracted by what's going on around you because you know there's something better coming down the road that's coming your way and you don't want to act now because you could really mess the whole thing up. You don't want to take action when it's not time to act. So I want you to turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read out of verses 24 and 25 in the message. If you have your Bibles today, and most of the time most of our Bibles are right here, so you can't say you don't have it because I'm just telling you if you don't, it means you didn't upload any app or anything. To have it. And honestly, I think it's very important that we come to church with one or the other. Yep. You got to have something Amen. in front of you. I brought both. Actually, I was freaking out this morning because I couldn't find my Bible um, because I knew I needed it. And I need this every day. There are things that are in here that aren't in my phone in the Bible that, that can teach me things and grow me. And so I can't stress the importance enough of having your word and being in it because the worst way to sabotage yourself from staying in what God has for you in the waiting game is to not read your word. If you don't, you're not going to be strong. You're not going to strengthen yourself. This says it's strength to your bones, yes. to your very bones, to your very being. So that's just a little plug for Jesus Christ and his word because I believe in it. All right? I approve this message. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25 in the message says it this way. You've all been to the stadium and seen athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. 
They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and at top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out on it myself. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about the goodness of God and who he is, and miss out on him myself. This made me think about when I was younger. I don't know if many of you have trained for any kind of sport or um, are any kind of athlete or have been in your past life because a lot of us are grown and adults and we've had things happen in our life that make a lot of changes. But in your past life, if any of you had a time where you were training to be a part of whether it was track, swimming, football, dance, you know, different things, basketball, volleyball, any kind of thing, any kind of sport takes training. It takes conditioning. You have to condition your body. And there was one point in my life where I was in track. I believe this was my freshman year. It was my first time really being in full track and wanting to be a part of the team. And when I started, I was like, this is going to be awesome because all I want to do is run short distance races. I know I'm not going to do long jump. Y'all look at me. I'm not tall. There's no way I could really probably do the long jump unless I had like super power ups in my legs that just got me to the end of where I needed to go. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to get there. Do you see what I'm saying? I wasn't going to be a high jumper. I already knew that. Like, I guess I set the bar low for myself, which probably wasn't the greatest, but I knew that that just wasn't what I wanted to do. But I wanted to run, and I wanted to run short distance relays and the races, which in track they're called the 100, the 200, which is sections of one lap. That is just one lap. (laughs) But just sections of that lot where you run, um, and in a relay, the one that I really wanted to run was called the 4 by one the 4 by 100 which means you have one lap to run, and in that lap, when you run that lap, you have four sections of people that are stationed around that lap that pass the baton to one another, and you have to run as fast as you possibly can to do that, to get there. But my problem was when we were getting in the conditioning is I didn't want to do the conditioning because our track coach thought it was great for all of us to run miles, not just one, miles every day. I didn't want to run miles. I just wanted to run a lap. I don't want to do all that conditioning. Why was it fair that if I'm just a sprinter that I had to run what everybody else was running for like cross country and doing the, there was that was not even in my mind. I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing for that. I just wanted to do my conditioning my way and just run the short relays. How come it wasn't fair for that? Why did the short distance runners and jumpers have to run long distance training? Why do the shot put people have to run? I mean, they're just throwing. But our coach saw that there was a necessity for us to continue running. And as I continued running every day, the pain and the intensity seemed to become great. Anybody in this room ever have shin splints? Hallelujah. They are terrible. They feel like your shins are exploding out of your legs. And there is no, no rubbing, no nothing makes it better. It's like they are literally splintering inside your leg. And it is miserable. 
And every night I remember going home and I felt like I had shin splints and my feet hurt and my legs hurt and my lungs hurt and everything else hurt because I wasn't really conditioned to run like that and he kept trying to push us to do it. And I can remember complaining to my parents, I don't want to do this, I want to quit. Can't you just take me out of it? I mean, come on, you know I don't want to do this. And my parents would tell me, you're not quitting. Don't give up, you can do this. You're gonna stay in the game, you're gonna to continue to go, and you're gonna to continue to do what you need to do because you made a commitment, and I want you to follow that. I want you to do what needs to be done, and you'll see it pays off for the better. And you know what, it did. The more I continued to run, the more it strengthened my endurance. The more it strengthened my patience, the more it strengthened my fortitude, the ability to handle pain, the ability to continue to go and can keep moving no matter what was coming my way. It literally worked. And you know what's crazy? Is I had to choose to stay in the game. Even though my parents told me, and yes, I was obedient to it, but I could have not given my all. I could have taken myself out by just giving halfway and not cared about my teammates and not cared about what was going on. And what's crazy about the whole thing is that year when we went, our team for the four by one relay went to state and we won. That would not have happened if we didn't have the ability to endure and build up our breathing and build up what needed to be done. And God wanted to relay that. I wanted to use that story to relay today about running the prize and staying, running for the prize and staying in the game. Because we have to condition ourselves. You can't get out of the conditioning. You can't just stop. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to do this one day and it just happened. Most of the time, um, any major athlete that has been a major basketball player, football player, or anything didn't just show up on the field for tryouts and make the team just because they were phenomenally amazing. They trained hard for it. They conditioned hard for it. And I want to read to you in 2 Corinthians the footnote that God had here in my Bible that was powerful to me. Or 1 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 9. And it says, the Corinthians were familiar with the races. Every other year they held um, Isthmian games, which were athletic games organized in 581 BC and played on the Isthmus, which was a narrow strip of land bordered by water and connecting two larger bodies of land of Corinth. It said that they were second only to the Olympics, these games were, in importance. The prize was a wreath, which obviously did not last. In contrast to that, Christ's faithful followers will win a wreath, but imperishable. Referring to the victory of eternal salvation, being with God forever, the greatest goal of the Christian life. This was key. This goal can only be achieved by giving up some of our rights for the sake of others and by abandoning those things that would take us out of the race. Altogether, God wants us to know we need to stay in the game. Stay in the game. Don't give up too early when you're in your waiting period because guess what? It's going to take you out and you're not going to get to the goal that you have set before you. You're not going to get the prize that God has at the end for you because you're more worried about what you feel than what's right. Stay in the game. We can relay conditioning for races to waiting. Conditioning tests our physical and mental ability to be strengthened as well as our ability to endure. But waiting does the same to our faith. It tests the ability to be strengthened and our spiritual endurance. Waiting is a test. It always is. 
You ever feel like your life's in pause? You remember a long time ago, you know, when none of us had like streaming or YouTube or anything else like that, and we had actual uh, cable that was hooked up by the line and ran in, and you know, just no satellite, nothing like that. And they would come on and they would say, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. And it would just beep across your whole, you know what I'm saying? Do, you, do any of you feel like you are stuck in that long beep? Just waiting for something to come through that God is, you know God's on the end, other end of it, but you are about to crash and smash the TV, you know what I'm saying, of life and just be done with it because the beep is about to make you go nuts. That's what waiting does. And we're in a place, I believe, of an emergency broadcast system with Jesus Christ that he's trying to tell us that we need to wait and hold out for what he has for us and keep up the good work and keep up the faith and run the race to finish for the prize, which is him. Our endurance is tested the most when the intensity of the training or the waiting is at its greatest. It's tested the most when the intensity of the waiting is at its greatest. This is the place where most often we find reasons or excuses to take ourselves out of the game. When the intensity of the pain of waiting is the greatest, that's when our endurance is tested the most. I believe that this is the place where we become more consumed with our comfort than our growth. We get to a place in waiting that sometimes we are so consumed by how we feel and what's happening in the midst of transitions and our emotions and the things that are going on. And, and sometimes you could literally be in physical pain, which is a waiting period because some things are going on in your body. And that pain sometimes can make you want to take yourself out of the game. And I'm not talking about suicide right now. I'm talking about just giving up on God. That I'm done that I can't take anymore, that I don't want to do this anymore. I'd rather just do it my own way and figure it out because I just don't feel like you're going to come through. We get more consumed with the comfort of this life that we are in than the reality of what he's trying to do in the growth of our faith and for who he is for the kingdom's sake. We don't live for our own pleasures and the things of this world. We live for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. That's the purpose, and I think the problem of it is, is we are so focused on earthly gains and earthly pleasures and what we can get right now that that's why we struggle to depend on God because we don't want to wait for the better that he has for us later. Amen. Because now is always better than later. Sometimes waiting like training feels like we're continuously running laps with no finish line in sight. Like you're just spinning in circles and running these laps. And you're like, okay, God, I don't know if any of you have ever asked questions like this, but I'm like, God, haven't I been through enough? Like, I've given this to you, and I've spent this time with you, and I read, and I pray, and I've given this up, and man, I've gone through that, and then my health, and all these other things, and I've endured that, and I've gone through that, and didn't I already learn this lesson? Good grief, why am I running this lap again? Do you like me? <laughs> you know, it's just like the saying that some people, I've heard them say that God won't give you any more than you can handle. But I don't believe that's true. And you can disagree, and that's okay. But I believe he will give you everything he can handle in, in you. It's not about you. It's not about what you can handle. 
Because guess what? We really can't handle all the things of this world, but through him, that's why it says, with God, nothing is impossible. That's right. Come on. And I began to think about how sometimes in waiting periods, even personally, when I've said, I'm at my breaking point. And I know many of us have said that in this room. I'm at my breaking point. I can't take any more. But many times in the waiting, our breaking point and breakthrough coincide. Sure. Our breaking point and breakthrough coincide. Most of the time when you're at a point where you can't take any more, that's because God said, did you have enough? Are you done? Right. Are you done fighting? Yeah. You're right. You're at a breaking point. You can't take any more because you're trying to hold it all on your own. Just let go. Quit trying to control it. What did I say last week about how most of the time that the waiting game shows that our fear of the unknown causes us to control things? Causes us to try to control what's going on in our lives. But there is always an answer, and it's Jesus Christ. Ask any athlete who trains for a sport of any kind. It's often when their body is at the limit that it becomes a state of mind over matter. Most of the time when any athlete has trained so hard to run or to do whatever they need to do, it becomes a state of mind over matter. Did you know most of the time when you exercise or you work out or anything, if you've ever had a trainer telling you, they're always telling you, come on, you can do it, you can keep going. And the reason they do that is because they're trying to train your mind to condition it first before your body goes. Most of the time when we train this, the rest will follow. If you train your mind in the mind of Jesus Christ, in your waiting, most of the time, the rest of your will will follow because it's not my will, but your will be done. It's allowing God to do it. It's training right here. Our conditioning takes place mostly right here. It's the same as working out. It literally is. I have done it. Any, anybody in this room that's ever done any any mama in this room that's gone through delivery and you're at a point where you've said, I can't take any more, it becomes mind over matter to say, oh, we're going to do this. Neither is your faith. 
If it's not settled, then neither is your faith. And guess what? When your faith isn't settled on God, you are only prolonging the process. And you're waiting. And you cannot blame God for a decision that is yours and yours to make. We self-distract rather than self-endure. I did this one running track at first. This is what I was trying to tell you. I was so distracted by what was right by me, my terms. Like, when was I ever going to actually run a race like the mile run? Never. Why did sprinters have to run long distances? Doesn't this waste our time and energy? This is not fair. We're being made to go through this for no reason. I even began to, I even at this moment began to advocate for the jumpers and all the other people on the team because I wanted my way to be made right. It didn't matter what was going on. And if I ran for one more minute, I was going to die. That's just what it was. Isn't this what we do in waiting? Well, how come they're at this position and I'm still waiting and I'm running? Why do they get to have the nice car and the nice home? Why do they get to have, you know, their kids who go to church and not mine? Why do they get to have the good job and not me? Why do I not get to be up on stage and they do? Why do I not get to be a youth leader and they do? Why, why is it fair, God? It's not fair that I serve you better than they do. It's not right, God. Why is it? I'm not supposed to run their race like them. How come my time God, why am I in a waiting period like this? This just isn't fair. This isn't right. My life is terrible. And we literally talk to God that way. And don't anybody lie to me in this room that you don't talk to God like that. (laughs) Or tell him that it's not fair. Because you see others at a place where you wish you were. But in reality, I don't understand why God does things the way he does. All I know is that his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than mine. And he also says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and he will keep your paths straight. Running a race is about staying on the right path and the right track. It's not about your own agenda. Running the race with Jesus Christ is never about your own agenda. My own distractions were trying to take me out of the game. It would be easier to quit than continue. We self-distract, focusing on what's fair and who's doing what. And why do we have to do and not them? At that moment in my life, I didn't care about my teammates. Honestly, I just cared about myself. And the only reason I was mentioning them was for my self-purpose. We have to realize, just like in anything we train for, that we have a team, that every single one of us here are on the same team. And that our waiting periods are not just for us, but the others who surround us in life. Our willingness to endure not only affects us, but it affects them. Most of the time, I'll just put this right. If you are somebody who is a quitter and takes yourself out of things easily because it's just too hard, watch how your children react to things. Watch how the people around you react to things because misery keeps company. Watch how the people who surround you respond. If when things just get too hard, you're out. See, your waiting periods and your ability your ability to strengthen yourself and endure through the hard times in your Christian walk just might be the answer for somebody else that needs that strength to see that you can make it through whatever they're going through. You always have to remember, 
could be worse and somebody else always has it worse, but somebody else always needs Jesus Christ and so do you. And following in him is the greatest example that we can ever set when we are waiting. No one was telling me to quit on myself while I was training. Not one. My coaches were cheering me on. My teammates were cheering me on. My family was cheering me on. But my pain at the moment seemed too great and my endurance was fading. And just like I said, just like a team, we have church family members that could be cheering us on. Family, friends, and even Jesus Christ cheering us on. But we can't get past the pain and fading of our endurance to hear that. So many times you'll hear words that come from this pulpit or hear words that come from family or friends that are around you that are trying to encourage you and tell you you can do this. It's just keep hanging on. We're here. We're here helping you through. But most of the time it's real hard to hear when the pain of what we're going through is louder than the cheers. All the enemy needs for you to do is quit on yourself, and he's won. You know what's sad is I think we use everybody else quitting on us in life as an excuse to not serve God. People are going to fail you. Some of us didn't have very good parents. Some of us didn't have very good family. Some of us had things happen to us when we were younger that are awful, that we can't help and we can't there was nothing we could do that came along that way but you can't use people in your life and things that happen as an excuse to why you quit all the time the reason you quit is because you quit on yourself think about it with working out or anything else or training for races that athlete still has to get up on their own and show up they have to show up and they have to keep going. And they have to continue practicing. And they have to choose to give their all. That's the same thing with us. Don't quit showing up. Don't stop practicing. Don't quit. Don't take yourself out of the game. Just keep going. It's up to you. Don't quit on yourself. God's never quit on you. And that's the greatest member who will ever cheer you on than any person in this room or anybody else. And people will fail you, but God never will. See, the enemy, he can't take you out of the game. He can't. He can't just literally take you out. But he will try to distract you with everything he can so you yourself will. Another way we self-distract self is by looking for distractions. Looking for distractions. We want to keep ourselves busy in the process. I've heard people say many times, I just need a distraction to get my mind off of it. I just need a distraction. I can't focus and I can't keep myself and I need a distraction. We want to numb the pain instead of heal it. We don't want to feel it. We just want to numb it. Instead of saying I need a distraction, we should be saying I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Most of the time, and I'm not going to get fully into it, but most of the time, have you ever, even yourself, think about it. When you are waiting, even in the drive-thru, behind one car, one car, most of the time you pull your phone out because you need a distraction because you can't focus. Just stay in the drive-thru line. 
You can't focus just sitting and waiting, even when you're waiting in the car. Or most of the time, how about this? You can't even go to the bathroom without your phone because you can't wait to go to the bathroom while you're in the bathroom, which is a normal thing that everybody does without your phone. Without being distracted because everybody has to have a distraction. When you've had busy days at work and different things take place or you've had a stressful moment, I need a distraction. Oh, well, I'm going to grab the bottle. Or I'm going to grab the drug. Or I'm going to grab another drug, which is your phone. (laughs) And just numb it all through that because I want to be distracted. I'm going to watch the TV. I'm going to do whatever it is because I need a distraction. What's sad is we'll say that more than we say we need God. More than just stopping and saying, God, I had a rough day and I need you. So then who suffers? Your family, your friends, and everybody else around you because you're so busy trying to self-distract with needing a distraction than focusing on God and being a help to those around you. Jesus, he's not a distraction, but he's your direction. He's not a distraction, but he's your direction. In waiting, you have to set your mind to the prize, which is Jesus Christ, and allow him to lead you. You have to surrender your heart and mind to him so your spirit can follow. Isaiah 41, 9 through 10 in the message reads it like this. And what's so powerful is we were just in Isaiah 40, 32 last week um, where we were talking about, and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we read that whole scripture But I go on to Isaiah 41, verse 9 through 10 in the message, and it says it this way. But you, Israel, are my servant. You're Jacob, my first choice, descendants of my good friend Abraham. I pulled you in from all over the world, called you in every dark corner of the earth, telling you, you're my servant, serving on my side. I picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you. Steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Now we hear all those words and God's encouraging them. But does anybody remember that they were in a 70 year period of exile? 70 year period of waiting. I don't think any of us mostly are in a 70 year period of waiting right now. We struggle to wait one month, a week, five minutes to hear God. Let alone these people were in a 70-year period of waiting. And what does Jesus tell them? I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear. For I, your God, I'll, I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. Sometimes our waiting can make us feel like God's forgotten us. It'll make us feel like we're alone. The Israelites felt this way. They felt abandoned. They felt rejected. They were stuck in the fear of the unknown. And God said it this way. Fear is a debilitating distraction. It weakens your faith and your endurance. Fear, it's a debilitating distraction. Fear tries to paralyze the spirit and keep it from acting on God's will. Fear will distract us by exaggerating our circumstances and minimizing God. Fear exaggerates our circumstances and minimizes God. 
The distraction of fear enhances the discomfort of your waiting period. The distraction of fear enhances the discomfort of your waiting period. It adds more pressure from the excess weight that you carry and makes you vulnerable to your insecurities and emotions. Fear packs on the weight of the world. It hinders us from carrying the true purpose of God because we're more busy carrying fear than, than what he has for us in our promise. Fear will try to grip you until you cannot breathe. Fear only makes you think you can't, but tries to imply that God can't either. Fear tries to tell you that it's impossible, and it will always be impossible. That this waiting will never end. Fear is a debilitating distraction. The only way to step out of fear is to realize that the grip of God is greater than the grip fear has on you. The only way to step out of fear is to realize the grip of God is greater than the fear that's gripping you at the moment. What's he saying? There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. I'll keep a firm grip on you. And the biggest thing I think you need to realize is in your waiting, you choose what's holding you, either God or your fear. Yep. Yeah. Who's holding you? Who's holding you right now? Who's got you in the midst of while you're waiting to see things proceed and go through and, and see what God has for you and to keep functioning and keep going even at your breakthrough when you can't feel like you can take any more? What's holding you at that moment? Fear or God? What has the grip on you? Because when fear has a grip on you, that means anxiety, depression, anger, all other kinds of things try to come in and drown out what God's doing in your life. But when you let God hold you, it begins to release those things. I'm not saying you don't ever struggle with them. I'm saying it begins to release them because the grip can no longer be as tight as who God's is, God is on you. Hebrews 4, 12, 1 through 3 says it this way. Do you see what this means? All these prisoners who blaze the way all these veterans cheering us on. That's what this is for. Right here. You want your greatest cheerleaders in life besides Jesus Christ as your head coach? It's right here. You have people who have lived before you things that you are living right now. Just in a different circumstance and in a different way. But they've gone through it and they've been there. And they're cheering you on. But you have a choice. You have a choice to stay in the game, to get up and read your playbook, and to know what's getting ready to happen for the next game that you're approaching, which is your day ahead of you. You have a choice to know the plans that God has for you, not yours. Let me ask you a question. Do you spend more time checking your agenda and your schedule than you do asking God what he has for you first? Because if you do, there's a problem. If this is laying second rate and never touched, but your stinking agenda and your schedule that has more highlights and more notes and more things in it than you do in here, there's a problem. That means you're not reading the right playbook. You've got your own. You've got it all planned out and in order, and you wonder why your waiting period is 
needed. We've got a lot of people walking around agitated and annoyed and fidgety that can't sit still and can't focus on what God's trying to do in their life because they've spent more time filling their lives with self-distractions than they are by allowing God to do what he needs to do in their lives. Going back here again, it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all the vet these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. it's not fair for what we endure, why don't you look at it and say it's not fair for what he endured and it's my turn to step up. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's my turn to run the race. Just like I said, I ran the 4 by 100 Well, guess what we had to do? Pass the baton. And every person had their turn to run the race. Yeah. To do their part. And guess what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross for you, for your sins? And you ask him to come into your life. He's passing the baton to you. Don't take yourself out of the game. Stay in the game. Don't quit just because you're tired. Just because you can't take anymore. Because you're exhausted. I think if we would just start replacing all the things in our life that are exhausting us with what God really wants, we wouldn't feel so tired and so exhausted and so mentally drained. Life has enough pressures of itself. Why put more weight on yourself by, by allowing the fear of all these d distractions to come in and weigh you down? It says his burden is easy and his yoke is light. It's the truth. As I get ready to close, I want to remind you today as he was talking to us in Isaiah 41, 9 through 10, as he was speaking to us there, what did he say to us? You are my first choice. I pulled you in from all over the world, called you from every dark corner, telling you you're my servant, servant on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm here with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. What does he remind us of today? He chose you. God picked you for the team, which he means he knew you had it in you. 
He knows the greatness that he sees in you and the ability that you have to endure and to keep going. He knows the ability that you have to condition in him and to allow him to do what he needs to do. He knows better for you than you know for yourself. He chose you. He reminds us that he's not only your coach, but he's your friend. And he has your best interest at heart. He reminds us that he's removed us from the dark places in life once and he can do it again. He reminds us that he's right by your side. He's right there with you, running along in this race with you that he won't leave you or forsake you or let you down. He reminds you that there's no room for fear and love because his perfect love casts out all fear. And just as he said in Isaiah 40, 31, he's your strength, your help, and he's holding you up. God is the best coach and he's conditioning you in your waiting. Don't take yourself out of the game. Stay in the game. And the only way to do this is surrendering your will and letting you hold him with his.